can use any method that he wants to use. But I'm thankful for you guys. You guys are, I don't think there is no greater church than this. A lot of, a lot of great people. You haven't got to have a big church to have great people. You know, you have, I got good people here. Uh, people love God. People love the word. Uh, I can't ask for any more than that. So let's open our Bible this morning. We're still in the book of Revelation. And we're going to be discussing the seven trumpets this morning. The seven trumpets this morning. It's been bad enough up to this point. Uh, it just gets worse and worse and worse, seems like. We're in a, we stood in a great tribulation period. We're warning people that judgment is coming. You can see the hand writing on the wall, can't you? We are, as God's people, to sound the alarm. We are, I think God is waiting for people to repent as many as they can, as many as they will before the rapture happens. Because I don't believe God wants anyone to go through the great tribulation. I really don't believe that. And I think he's just patient enough to wait for that last sinner who will repent. And then we go up. Now, when that's going to be, I don't know. But we ought to thank God today for our salvation. We ought to thank God today of all the things that we're going to escape. We're not going to, we're not going to go through this. God has not appointed us to wrath. And God does not rejoice over the tribulation. As we study this judgment, we don't rejoice over the tribulation either. We don't rejoice. We don't want to see people go through this. The Bible says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not rejoice. And let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And don't let your heart be glad when your enemy stumbles. We ought to be moved with compassion and praying for people to come to Christ. We should warn people that the day of the Lord is coming. See, a lot, see hell is real. The tribulation is real. It's going, it's going to happen and we can't stop it. And it's going to get progressively worse until the rapture comes. How much persecution are we going to go through? I don't know. How much tribulation and hardship are we going to go through? I don't know. But you can tell it's getting progressively worse. Even attacks now are coming against the churches. They want to tell us what we can preach, what we can't. So we know it's going to get worse. But Jesus said these things would happen. But we should be serious about getting the gospel out. You might have unsafe friends, neighbors, loved ones. We should warn them of the wrath to come. When we warn people, we're not responsible for the results, whether they believe it or not. It's not your call. All you, all you are is a messenger is to deliver the message, regardless how people respond. 
But we have to pray for them and proclaim that gospel. So as believers, we should praise God that we escaped all the things that's going to be coming up on the earth. And once I realize all the things I escaped, my salvation becomes sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, is holding back the Antichrist. He's holding back evil. You think it's bad now? Wait till we leave. You haven't seen nothing. But the Holy Spirit will be taken out of the way and Satan is going to unleash all of his terrible things upon this earth. The Antichrist can't appear until Jesus says he can appear. So he's in he's in, in the world right now. We don't know where or who he is. There's a lot of speculation. But when we gone, after the church is gone in the rapture, the Antichrist will be revealed. And we know that the stage now is being set for the Antichrist to appear because we know that the world is discouraged. The world has lost hope and they are looking for a leader. And they're going to get one that they don't want. So I just pray that God would just use each one of us. Because I ask myself, what am I supposed to be doing? Just waiting on the rapture? No, there's people lost out there. I don't want anybody to go through this. You, got, you might have friends and loved ones and neighbors, co-workers who are not believers. And God has placed you on that job around all those heathens to be salt and light. So everybody's got a ministry. And the ministry is the same. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's top priority. I got so many books at home I don't read. It's, it's ridiculous because I don't have time for them because I got to get the gospel out. That's why I leave every day. I, I, go, I get around people. I go to parks. There's people at homeless near my house. I want to get the gospel out. The unbeliever don't care how much Hebrew I know, how much Greek I know. It ain't going to do him no good because he's on his way to hell. I need to use the information that God has given me right now to go forward. Because it, the Bible said, redeem the time because the days are evil. I don't have a whole bunch of time. It's the urgency. It's an urgency in my spirit. I was looking across the street at my neighbor and he had his head down and I'm sitting there reading my books and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said, put the book down and go talk to your neighbor. That's what I did. Great conversation. He didn't come to Christ, but I built a great relationship with him. And I think he will. I hate for people to agree with everything you say and still not come to Christ. Oh, I know you're telling the truth. That's right, man. I know. But would you like to receive Christ? No, I'll, I'll wait. When I get about 80 years old and I think about it. When I'm witnessing the people, I try to get them to come to Christ right then. Because I might be the last person that they talk to. I don't know 
if I'll even see that person again. But if Jesus Christ, what the world don't realize, if Jesus Christ is rejected, then judgment has to follow. Because you rejected the only one that could help you. Your denomination can't save you. Your church can't save you. Your pastor can't save you. You can't even save yourself. So when you reject Christ, it's the most, it's the most serious thing that anyone can do. You've just turned down eternal life and forgiveness of sin. It's like that rich young ruler, you know, remember the story? He went away sad because he had many riches. He chose riches over eternal life. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the world and loses his soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? It's priceless. It's going to live someplace forever. It's eternal. You have to choose a place while you're living. Because once you're gone and take that last breath, it's too late. It seems so simple. And I ask people, why, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you receive Christ? They says, well, I'm going to go home and think about it. I'm going to, I'm going to think about it. And uh, one day maybe, and I'm trying to say, you know what? You don't know that for sure. I was reading 2 Corinthians. You know, I read through the Bible once a year, and uh, it said, talked about Satan. It said he's the God of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 said he has blinded the minds of people. They, the people are spiritually blind, and they're spiritually dead. That's why they don't understand where you're coming from. That's why you got to break it down real simple and be real patient with people. Because a natural man does not understand, understand the things of the spirit because they are spiritually understood. Now, once you become born again, you understand. But you're talking to a person who has not been regenerated, who has not saved, who don't understand. So you got to take it real slow and be real patient when you share Christ. Don't make it complicated. Don't make Christ complicated. It's very simple. There's only one way of salvation. There's only one person can save you, and that's him. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, the seventh seal preludes the seven trumpets. We'll get to that next time. But when he, the lamb, opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. John does not tell us what caused this silence. You know, it was praise in heaven. It was praising God, praising God. And all of a sudden, it was complete silence. The scroll had not been opened completely and perhaps even turned over. Maybe the scroll was turned over, but something they saw in heaven unfolding. And they were so awestruck what they saw, they couldn't even speak. But certainly that silence was the lull before the storm. God, intensi God intensified judgment was about to be hurled on the earth. When I was back in the South, I was able 
to read clouds. We work in the field a lot. And my parents told us that when you see, when you see clouds looking like that, they would say the storm is coming. And boy, they wasn't right. They wasn't wrong. When this silence in heaven, it was, it was a silence because it was an anticipation. They, it was a saying that the storm is, is about to take place. It's been bad enough, but it's about to get worse. About a half an hour signifies a brief, limited time period, or maybe it was a pause in the action. Must have seen to last throughout eternity, a half an hour in heaven. It must have been a long time when you're just waiting for a half an hour. But we must see God in silence. It was silent in heaven, and if you're going to see God, you got to get somewhere where it's quiet, where you can listen. That's why time, the way you spend your time, is very important. You got to be able to listen. How proper it is for us to be quiet, to be quiet before Him and just to listen. He might want to change direction in your life, He might want to give you new guidance. We should take time each day to be silent before God and to listen and get in his word and get somewhere quiet. That's where you're going to get the power. That's where you're going to get the revelation. That's where you're going to get the direction right there. It's more beneficial for you. And you'll see in the long run, you'll find peace. You'll find power. You'll find direction. Silent also conveys trust and confidence in God. When you get along with God, it means you, you, you have trust and you have confidence in him. So there was a pause before the next series of judgments, which is about to be unleashed. In verse 2, say, I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. In the Old Testament, the trumpets summoned people for worship. In the Old Testament, the trumpet will summon people when it was prepare them for battle. The trumpet is warning people of the storm to come. Verse 3, then an angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he, he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the censer with the prayers of the saints ascending before God, Ascended before God from the angel's hands. The censer was like, was like a, fire, a fire pan used to hold up coals for the burning incense. It was like our prayers are like incense to God, going up to God. This was mingled. He wants to hear from you. Incense in the Old Testament was just a sweet smell, a smell of aroma to the go up to God. Our prayers to God is just like a sweet smelling aroma. I don't care what anybody says. They can't take away your prayer life. They can't take that away from you. The angels, verse 5, the angels took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. 
and there was Noah's thundering lightnings and earthquakes. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The angel threw the incense burning down upon the earth. This symbolizes the judgment of God about to release upon the earth. And some say it was an answer to prayer. Because in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony of which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? The white, then a white robe was given. So this, so this answer to prayer was, a, it was answered to the saints that was being persecuted. And they asked, how long, O Lord, is it going to be before you, before you help us out, before you advance? God doesn't want this. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord? You ever say that? When you look around the world and you see how bad it is, you say, how long? How long will it be? There was a lot of Christians being persecuted. How long, O oh Lord, will you avenge our blood? Well, God is answering a prayer right now because he's pouring out these judgments. The first trumpet, first, uh, verse 7 the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Since only one third of the earth is destroyed by these trumpet judgments, there's only partial judgments that's being poured out from God. His full wrath is yet to be released. One third of the trees widespread Destruction, one-third of the trees destroyed. Hail and fire mingled with blood. Kind of reminds us of the seven plagues that God sent against Egypt. Exodus chapter 9. Can you imagine that? The prophet Joel also promised blood and fire in the last days. Joel 2.30, since this is a supernatural judgment, it is not necessary to try to explain how God mixed fire with blood. Some said it could be some kind of electrical. We don't know. Some say it was a lightning. But the target was vegetation. The trees and the grass. It says all the grass was burned. Well, nothing can grow if all the grass is burned, so you got famine. One can well imagine how this would affect nature, but it also would affect the food supply if the grass is burned. The Greek word for trees usually means fruit trees, and the destruction of the pastors, the pastors all these land was burned up. It devastated all the fruit trees, and the, and the meat and the milk industries destroyed. All the grass burned, all of it. Pretty much devastation. I've seen grass burn before. Acres and acres and acres of grass and nothing can grow for a long time. The second trumpet, the sea was struck. The second angel sounded and something like a great 
burning mountain, something as big as a mountain. He, he don't know how to explain it. He said it's something like, he didn't say it was, he said it's something like a great mountain. Some say it's a meteor, a meteor, a meteorite coming out of the sky, falling into the sea. Some suggest a volcano, or some kind of volcanic eruption. But he said he saw a second sound and he says something came out of the sky as big as a mountain and it was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. In every, verse 9, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Terrible thing. A third of the sea just died, all the fish, everything in the sea died. Terrible smell. Desolation of the seas. Turning water into blood reminds me what Moses did in Exodus chapter 7. But note that John did not say that an actual burning mountain was cast out of heaven. He said it was a large object that came out of the sky. A triple judgment re resulted in this. A triple judgment. A third part of the salt water turned to blood. A, a third part of the of marine life died and a third part of the ship will destroy it. This will be an eco ecological and economic disaster of unprecedented proportions. Consider that the ocean occupies about three-fourths of the Earth's surface. You can imagine the extent of this judgment. Valuable ships were suddenly destroyed. Well, what about all the cargo on the ships? Destroyed. That would also lead to famine. The third trumpet, verse 10, then the third angel sound and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. He didn't say it was a torch. He said it's burning like a torch. What was it, a meteor? What was it, a comet? We don't know. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the spring of the waters. The name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many died from the water because it was bitter. The first waters are polluted. The waters were polluted, became poisonous and bitter like Wormwood. It was like no one could drink it. It was undrinkable. The rivers, the springs, the wells, all affected. Killing many from drinking the water. I'm told people can go longer without food than they can water. You can only live so long without water. I know a lot of people, they drink pop, and a lot of people drink juice, and a lot of people drink Kool, whatever it is, Kool-Aid, or whatever you guys, whatever it is. But sooner or later, you're going to have to drink water because nothing can quench your thirst like water. The people got so thirsty, the water was bitter. They got so thirsty, they drank the water and died. This led to millions and millions of deaths. A star fallen fell from the earth. Meteorite or comet, who knows? 
But if people drink this water, they die. What would happen to the vegetation in the rivers? I mean, the, it was, it was, everything was polluted. Verse 12, then the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them were darkened and a third of the day did not shine and likewise the night. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because the remaining blast of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound mean that it's not over. It's only going to get worse. Although the four trumpets are unimaginable, there will be nothing like the last three. It's going to be worse, be more severe. A third of the sun was struck. In the ninth plague of Egypt, thick darkness, darkness covered the land for three days, Exodus 10. When the Bible says, whoa, 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 it means that something bad is about to happen. God is telling America, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right now. Has God just taken his hand off? The wicked who rejects the only way of salvation He's saying, whoa, whoa, because they had their chance. Everyone will have a chance. The three woes refers to the impact of the three remaining trumpets that's about to come. Woe, because one-third of the earth's population will die in these three trumpets. And a fourth of the earth has already died. In Revelation 6, 8, we saw that last time. It's already dead. The love of God, God is so patient how people have mocked and made fun and kicked him out of society and still he is waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting for people to come to him, not willing that any should perish. That's why he's waiting. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible said God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Now the world will be condemned if they reject Christ. But that's not God's fault. He said he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And the Bible says, he that believes in the Son is not condemned. But he that believes not, the Bible says he's condemned already. You condemned yourself. No one can say that God sent him to hell. God has done everything he could and has given everything he could to keep people out of hell. If they still want to go, it's not God's fault. No one can shake their finger in God and say, well, you sent me to hell. No, you didn't. You sent yourself to hell because you rejected the only means by which you can be saved. But God gave people free will to choose life or death. 
He did not send his son to the world. But when I see, when I read about this, these judgments and everything that's going to happen to this earth, although I won't be here to see it, I'm going in, I'm going in a rapture. I feel sorry for the people who are left behind, which should move me with more compassion than ever to reach out to the lost. They don't know. They don't know the tribulation is coming. They don't know unless somebody tell them. That's why we, the Bible said what? We should go into all the world and preach what the gospel. The gospel hasn't changed. If it worked for Paul, it'll work for us. Has the church lost its way? Has the church lost its way? Don't we have compassion for the unbeliever? Do we need more knowledge? No, you need to get out there and tell somebody about Christ and win, and win the loss. I should be telling people to save yourself from this perverse generation. Well, that's, you know, I, it keeps me awake at night, I tell you that. When I see and I read this stuff in, in the tribulation period and know what's coming, and I'm thinking, well, Lord, use me to reach as many as I can and to warn them that it's coming. And hopefully somebody will believe me. Jesus is so patient, he's waiting and he's waiting. He was going through Samaria and he was, a, he was rejected, you know, uh, in Luke 9. He, he, he sent his face for Samaria and he went there and the Samarians, they, they rejected him. And when the disciples saw that he was rejected, rejected, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire and burn them all up? They rejected you. Let's just burn them up. He turned, the Bible said, Jesus turned and rebuked them. And said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And the Bible said he went to another village to preach. Man, if you, if you get to one person and they don't want to hear you, you just go to somebody else. There's a whole bunch of folks out there. But how shall they call upon him? Who have not believed. And how they believe in him who have not heard. How can they hear without a preacher? And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That is the only hope for America. That is the only hope for the world, is that gospel. It hasn't changed. That's why Satan is coming against the churches, because he don't want the gospel to get out. He's trying to shut the churches up and shut them up and shut them down and getting us fighting with each other. No, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of, of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to anyone that would believe it. 
for the Jew first and also the Greek. Paul said, woe be unto me if I preach not the gospel of Christ. And woe be unto us. That neighbor is perishing, man. You got folks in your family that's perishing. You got people right now. They said the suicide rate is up. Depression is up. You got people out there fearful who've lost their jobs and lost their homes. We can give them hope through the gospel. It is my prayer that God would use each one of us today to tell somebody else. Somebody told us, shouldn't we tell somebody else? The time is short. How short, we don't know. But we know the signs of the times are on us, and we are in the last days right now. And you know, it's not going to get any better. But Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter what you go through, Christ is going to go through it with you. Did you know that? Do you know you're not alone in this? Did you know that? Do you know? Every time I feel a little discouraged or fearful, I'll pick up my word and I start prayer and it goes away just like that. Try it sometimes. Because when you, when you look at this stuff on the media, on the TV and stuff, it scares you. It's scaring people. People are scared. Some people are scared to even leave their homes. Most churches are not growing. People are afraid to go outside the house. They're afraid they're going to get COVID. You know what? Uh, I'm just speaking for me. I don't worry about COVID. Yeah, you know, I'll wear my mask because they tell me to. But you know what? Uh, I'm not going to walk around in fear because I'm not going to die until God says so. You better get out there and be salt and light. Don't worry about it. I'm not saying be crazy now. Just do something crazy. If you want to wear it, you wear it. If you choose not to wear it, you. But now you can't go any place unless you got the mask on. They want you to wear it. And you know what? If it's going to reach people, I'll wear it, man. Because it's not about me. It's about the other person. I know this from my own experience that the harvest is ripe right now. But Jesus said that labors a few. Jesus said, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents. One. I don't know how the angels find out about it once somebody come to Christ. I don't know how the angels find out about it. I don't know how, but the Bible says somehow there's joy in the presence of angels when one sinner repents. I don't know if you've ever led a person to Christ yourself. That is a thrill that you will never forget. If you just prayed for somebody and you be the one to lead them in the prayer, you be the one, you're the vessel, you are the tool, you are the instrument that God is going to use in these last days. Paul and all the apostles, they all dead. But we are here at such a time as this, and I think it's great for the church when you go out, man, smile. It's okay. Put a smile on your face. You know, 
Be friendly. When you're friendly and smile, it'll open up lots of doors for witnessing. When you're friendly and just smile. I'm not mad at anybody. Why should I go out with it like I've lost my dog or something, you know? Be friendly, be smiling with your neighbors, your friends, and it can open up. And they're going to say, boy, there's something different about that person. And it's going to give an opportunity for you to share the gospel. Try it sometimes. It's dark out there. You can see it. But Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are his ambassador. We are his representative here on earth. And we want to warn people to flee the wrath to come because it's coming and it's picking up pace. And God, how much longer we got? I don't know. So what I'm going to do as much as I can while I can. And I will encourage you to do the same thing. With that, we'll just close in prayer and we'll pick up here, pick up here next week. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would use every one of us for your glory. And we pray, God, that you, your word would just burn in our hearts so we can tell other people about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We, we, if you're here today and you have not received Christ, Today is your day. Anyone here before we close? If God, if you were to come back right now, do you know for sure you would go to heaven? Are you sure? Do you know? Have you invited Christ into your life and asked Christ to forgive you of your sins? Are you watching by YouTube or Facebook? Have you ever asked Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sins? If not, do it right now. Very simple. Just say, dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. I believe you died and rose on the third day, and I accept you in my heart right now. And you can be saved. I tell you what, you'd be glad you did. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you. We had your word today. So be with each one now and give them your peace. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.